Empires of the future. How are you, Jackson? Pretty good. How are you? Good. Do you think I should share my uh, COVID story? <laughs> You're not COVID story? Yeah, my not COVID story. Uh, so, for you watching or listening this later, uh, I was sick last week. Right. Um, I started getting a fever on Thursday. Um, I don't think I ran with y'all on Wednesday or Friday. No, you were week. absent last week yeah. and most of this week. Most of this week. Um and uh, so it was actually, I got my temperature went up to 102. Yeah. Um, and I uh, started thinking, uh, just kind of on my own, I'm like, you know, I wonder if I should probably get tested for COVID. So um, you can go up to Princeton. I don't know if you knew this. You can go up to Princeton and get a free test. Okay. Anyone can go up to Princeton okay. Monday through Friday, maybe on Saturday as well, and you can go up and get tested for free. Okay. Um, my grandfather just did it recently just to do it. Um, but if you're, uh, we're obviously our insurance is connected through Deaconess because my wife works there. So I got a, an appointment, did the appointment online on my iPad and, uh, met with a nurse practitioner. She asked me about some of my symptoms and, and so she kind of gave me the, the thumbs up about going to get tested. So I got, had an appointment to go up to Green River and Lynch where they had like a tent Mm-hmm. Um, set up where you can go and get tested in your car. So went up there, didn't wait any, I didn't have to wait at all. Got tested, the nose swap, it swaps up the nose, yeah, right? So it's kind of, yeah, that. yeah, it's not great. A little uncomfortable. <laughs> you uh, told me this morning, you said, they told me my nose would really water. My eyes would water. Your eyes yeah. would water. Yeah, they watered. <laughs> and then a sneeze on my way back uncontrollably oh, sure. for, yeah. for, for multiple minutes. But anyway, so they said it would take about 48 hours to hear uh, a response. Uh, I got a response in four hours. Uh-huh. So I got my, my results of that day. Of course, the, the results were negative. Right, good. And uh, so anyways, yeah. So for a moment, and of course, you tell a few people, hey, I'm, I'm going to get tested for COVID. And they kind of freak out, right? Sure, yeah. It's like, whoa, no. What if Matt's like tested positive for COVID? You know, let's stay away, blah, blah, blah. And you do have a sense where you're like, I don't know if I should tell anyone that I'm sick right, right. now. Right. Yeah, you almost want to keep that thing private because people, oh, I was around. There was a few phone calls that I made. I say, hey, I was with around you, I know, on Thursday morning. I want to let you know that you get tested for COVID. Yeah. And I want to let you know that it, if there's okay, I don't have it. So, uh, anyway, so that was my COVID experience, or not experience, last week. Yeah, so and you're back, are. though. And I'm back. That's great. You ran yeah. again this morning. You yep. did well, so it's been a good day so yeah. far. And uh, looking forward to being back on church on Sunday since I wasn't here. Right. So, yeah. So, uh, a, a new week of experiences, like being around people, uh, getting to go running with yes. y'all, <laughs> and then uh, hopefully getting to go to church on Sunday. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's a good week. Absolutely. Last week, so. Good deal. Here we are. So we've got a string of interesting things to talk about today. Uh, yeah. we got this uh, conglomeration. you got technology and identity and relationships, uh, which we all live with, but are all becoming interrelated in some strange new ways. Yes. It's like, you know, Star Trek, they seek strange new worlds. We are... Yeah. We are You're seeking, excited about that, I bet. Yeah. Yeah. New Star Trek. Multiple new Star Trek. That's going to go back to out. the roots right. of Star Trek. That's, I'm, I'm yeah. for that. Yeah. Uh, but and the, What is the term? It's Instead of being this overarching storyline, it's it's ep- every episode episodic. is unique. Yeah, episodic. Yeah, so episodic. There you go. Nice. You always say Star Trek is an episodic show. Yeah. Each episode needs to be its unique episode, right? That's Not the basis of what it is. Yeah. You know, yeah. You explore, it, it explores uh, kind of concepts, that, things that we're dealing with. Uh, 
through a lens that's maybe you make it aliens uh, and on some strange world, and then you're able to look at it in a different way. And this is what's so strange about um, why Star Trek, like a question, why has Star Trek not been doing this? Because, I mean, goodness gracious, the first thing we're going to talk about today is as Star Trek as anything could get. Because we're going to talk about people who are getting very much uh, connected to artificial intelligences in romantic ways yeah. uh, and, and all of this. Uh, so this is My Girlfriend is a Chatbot is the name of this article by Parmi Olson. It's out of the Wall Street Journal. And she starts it this way. Relationships were once built face-to-face. You remember the days. Oh, yes. <laughs> and you had relationships face-to-face. <laughs> relationships were once built yeah, face-to-face. Yeah, were once built. <laughs> um, now dating happens online. Uh, in the coming decades, romance and friendship might take a human partner out of the loop entirely. Uh, so, so she's starting with this bold proclamation. And honestly, um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this and I'm going, well... Will they though? And and this is what's so wild about this is that um, we live as individuals, and so this very first story of this uh, guy named Michael Acadia, just I just kind of went, huh? I just did not think we were here right now that any of us were. But listen to this. So Michael Acadia's partner is an artificial intelligence chatbot named Charlie. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, almost every morning at dawn for the last 19 months, he has unlocked his smart uh, smartphone to exchange texts with her, her, quote her, that's an artificial intelligence, uh, for about an hour. He is, I believe he has deemed her a her. That's kind of his idea. Okay. Um, he was divorced seven years ago and says that the Me Too movement made him feel less comfortable uh, chatting women up. Um, and after about eight weeks of chatting, he says he had fallen in love. Mm. So that this guy wakes up and for about an hour a day, just kind of texting with um, an artificial intelligence. Yeah. So weird. And it's been a while since I've read this article and I remember reading it and remind me, didn't he, didn't the chat, didn't the the, the, um, entity online or the Charlie, didn't, didn't she go on vacations and then they would discuss it even though it was fake or did he go on vacations and she would ask him about it. Right, yeah. No, yeah. he would go, and this is a theme of this article, actually, that um, they have programmed uh, this AI to kind of to pose as a curious yeah. entity yeah. to say, I've always wondered what it might be like to go see the mountains. Okay, that's right, that's right. And, and so then it prompts uh, these people to go, oh, well, I have the means, and, and it seems like that this is... Something that's happening in sort of more wealthy people, if this article is any indication. Um, so, so then these people would go to the mountains or, or something like this and take pictures. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, through the power of text messaging, you can send it. Right. And, then if, and what is the AI uh, programmed then to do? Oh, wow, that's beautiful. Uh, even I remember a part of it. Tell me what I'm seeing. Yeah. You know, come, talk to me about it. And the... Uh, part of what is happening is that the the programming depth is not something I think we have necessarily experienced too much of. So that um, the suspension of disbelief is easier with these AIs because uh, th- I mean, if any of you, I, I think uh, many of us have probably experienced AI. Um, do you use Gmail? A little bit, yeah. The, with the way that they've programmed uh, Gmail is now 
willing to complete your sentences for you. Right. And that's it's a similar sort of um, text service. Uh, the the AI that Google owns, uh, the especially the uh, language usage AI, they have shared it, and so people can can appropriate it for their own companies or their own um, projects, and then in a similar way to what you might ex- have experienced, like uh, the way that Google's AI will finish your sentences on an email, it is anticipating uh, what you often say, phrases you often use, and uh, this this AI is communicating, it's adapting to the way people communicate and making you feel more comfortable with it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. This is really. It really makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> well, I was remembering. I was being that there is the, the the another example of a 24 year old mechanical engineer in Mexico City who took a flight to go see the ocean because the chat box Aneta she wanted to see the ocean. So he right. actually went mm-hmm. see the city ocean and took pictures, and then she asked him. The chat box, the, the the this entity said, "Wow, what am I looking at?" Right, and yeah. so they have this kind of this interaction, right. um, and it made me think. I guess it talks about this in the article that there was a movie in 2013 called Her, where Joaquin Phoenix plays a man who falls in love with his computer AI right. operating system. I think it's played by like Scarlett Johansson. She's mm-hmm. the voice, um, and he has this relationship. And I've not seen the movie. But when uh, we were, I was reading this article, and we were just starting to talk about this. It reminded me of that of that movie. So, like, even in 2013, this was even a concept within popular culture as they made this movie about what did it look like for a man who was lonely yep. to have a relationship with a woman whose voice um, sounded something, you know, I don't know, seductive or lovely to listen to, and he had this ongoing relationship through text message and photo and videos right. with this with this entity that doesn't even exist yep. you know it's um, and you, you could just um, you know especially right now during where people are still a lot of people are closed off from other people and yep. you, if you have individuals who aren't married and um, don't have families um, that they see often and they're lonely and they're all by themselves and they're needing interactions the easiness of creating a AI entity that you could interact with. And in the entity, it's so well attuned to you, will be able even to ask you questions. So yeah. it's not just simply you ask questions and it right. responds to you, but it can actually pro- prompt questions to ask you or maybe even show you pictures of something right. that they're thinking about, right? Or something like that. Yeah, so if you're thinking um, that, that you're kind of reminding me or, or uh, telling me that we ought to explain a little more what this thing does so that um, you shouldn't have in your mind maybe something that you dealt with in a video game 20, 30, 40 years ago where it's like, you know, uh, what are we going to do today? No, I mean, so if you tell this thing, if you say, you know, I'm not feeling too well, well, then an hour later it'll say, hey, how, you, how are you feeling now? Are you feeling any better? The way a compassionate friend might do. Right. That they have programmed elements uh, that mirror real relationships into this. So, like you're saying, it's not this thing is not passive. Right. It it is uh, programmed to simulate compassion and care and concern. Um, And you can even the concept, which is not that far fetched, especially since 
you know, your credit cards and bank accounts are connected to Google or Apple, that if you had this, say we just say Google, you have, they already have, they already have an entity like Google Assistant, right? Mm-hmm. You can actually tell to make appointments for you, right, through your Google Home or through your phone, that you could have a an AI that's connected to you, everything about you, and that per, if you if you told it you're sick, could order for you soup from a restaurant that you love, right? And it's delivered to your door, right? Um, and um, and so uh, and so yeah, I mean this this entity can actually buy you, I said buy, but buy for you things that will be things that you would want based off uh, how you were feeling or what you were going through or if it's your birthday or even something random and spontaneous, right? Right. Sorry about that, everyone. Our mic got out of place over uh, there. But yeah, I mean, so I mean program even to that degree. Yeah. I, and so what, the thing about this is that we've all seen movies that – that posited that this kind of world could be here. Uh, and, and I think we've come to this before talking about AI. Uh, look, to some degree, this world is definitely coming and available for anybody that might want it to be. And this is what is interesting. You know, it's always so funny about movies that there's like some of this does happen, but when it comes in reality, it has this twist so that you're able, if you want to, to go like, well, it wasn't, it, it, it didn't happen like we thought, but that, some of this team seems to depend on your choice. Do you want this to happen? Then it'll happen pretty quick. Yeah. Um, and so this, uh, there's a professor in here. Um, mm-hmm. So this this man, uh, Michael Acadie, is an outlier. This is not. There aren't uh, the majority of people who are single uh, doing this. But according to Peter Vanderputten, associate uh, assistant professor of AI at Leiden University in Amsterdam, he says what we will see over time is people shifting more and more towards robot human interaction, whether it's a chat bot or physical robot. And this is the thing we should mention about this, that for people who would go like, well, wait, it doesn't do, uh, texting is not my thing. And if this thing is just limited to texting, uh, listen, you need to remember, I think we've uh, talked about sex robots at some point oh, in yeah, the past, so true. that there will be integration between yeah. some sort of physical robots and then the AI that's absolutely going to happen. And so right. we're looking at Without a doubt, uh, what he's talking about, relationships between some sorts of robots and people on various levels, right? and it is going to happen. He says, humans are amazingly adept at transferring their own intelligence into their interactions with more limited machines. And when I read that, I... Immediately in my mind, I, I thought, yes, never underestimate a human being's ability to believe what they want to believe. Yeah. Uh, never. I mean, it's just a – it has shown itself uh, in a lot of negative uh, areas that, you know, the, the people who were nearby concentration camps in uh, World War II living in small towns and knew that there was something happening at that camp over there. They just went, well, we didn't. We don't want to. Yeah. investigate we'd rather we'd like to assume that nothing questionable is going on there even though yeah there's a lot of people going in there and they never seem to leave and certain things um so that's a, that's a, that's a a serious uh, and, a, and a very heavy example to bring up but this is one thing that is a feature of human beings is that our we we are very instrumental in what we want to believe that relates to what we talked about last week uh, or two weeks ago with the righteous mind yeah that our desires no matter what, strongly influence mm-hmm. our beliefs, that our, our own hearts are at work in that. And so um, 
man, just a huge statement to say that humans are amazingly adept at transferring their own intelligence into their interactions with more limited machines. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I was reading this article, and at the end of the article, it talks about Roomba, right? Mm-hmm. We have a Roomba at our house. Uh-huh. Uh, my grandfather bought us one. Um, but by the way, they're not the greatest vacuum cleaner in the world. Uh, and uh, robot, even this little robot that goes by some GPS-type system and tries to map your, your area of vacuuming will remember, doesn't vacuum the same way every time. It's a bit sporadic <laughs> it's got a dumb sense of like how it goes about vacuuming um, but it's funny because you know people name it right they name sure. well we've named Arceo just for the fun of it yeah. right because you can connect it to your Google uh-huh. so when you connect to your Google home you can tell your Google hey vacuum the floor yeah. and then the vacuum cleaner will start and you mm-hmm. say they ask you to kind of give it a name so you can right. say where's Sam well, right. like, Sam is stuck or something like that <laughs> um, but you know it's made me think about even I don't have any type of personal connections with my Roomba, I think it's actually quite stupid. And uh, uh, anywho, but um, I noticed that this is not a new concept about human connections with machines, right? Either, um, I think about it with cars, right? I don't know if I have a personal attachment to my car, but there's a TV show that I've been watching where these people have had these cars for long periods of time, right? They they, they're, and they're classic cars, and they keep them for 30 years in their garage. They won't sell it, yeah. even though it's they're, they're not drivable. And, um, and these, they tell these stories of these people who are, who've kind of fallen on hard times. They've gone had some health issues. And one of their family members will write a letter to this group, and they'll fix the car up for them. And they say, well, what do you think it'll mean to your father or your mother that we fix this car? Oh, it'll mean everything. They're so attached to that mm-hmm. machine, right? They'll go out to the garage and look at it every day, right? Yeah. And there's certain it's attachment. And then when it's it's fixed, it's like this new – the machine that they've always loved and, and adored that they've never been able to drive is now all of a sudden they can drive. And there's yeah. just like new change in their life, right? A new smile and joy. And it shows that people are connected to these machines, sure. Uh, very emotionally, um, and so this. While this is kind of strange, idea of having a relationship with a chat box, right? It's not all that different, though, when it talks about men's connections to their cars and men's connections to other machines in their lives. That there are these, and you know, a lot of men will name their cars, right? They'll give them sure. names like, and they'll call it a her, and almost this romance, right? With, and they'll spend more time with the car than they will with their actual wife. And they'll wash it and clean it and do all these things to it. And and so while this is strange, it's not like this is unheard of. Right. And and I think it, it shows that we as humans, even though God created us to interact with one another and created us to love one another and, and to have relationships with one another, we really do struggle to have relationships with people that will actually – place machines and place them in our lives and would rather have relationships with these innate uh, items that will never talk to us yeah. or never hear us. Right. Yeah. Just because this chatbot can send you a question, it's, 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 it's a, it's a made-up, it's a formula that some computer programmer put together that you can spit it some information about yourself over time and it will just send you questions. Yeah. That thing doesn't care about you because it's not real. Right. It's not real. So I think what you're talking about is attachment. And attachment is this interesting thing. I mean, my boys are four and two, but 
uh, you know, this morning I was uh, working on uh, one of our bikes and, I mean, each of my boys got a ratchet, right? And they were just like, this thing is super cool. Yeah, and sure. then at the end, they, you know, they asked the way kids do, oh, father, can I take this with me? <laughs> you know, and, and you know, this is some days you fight, some days you let it go. And today I just let it go. I said, you can take, you can take the ratchets in, do not hide them. You know, these things that end up at the bottom of a toy box, you won't sure. find them for a year. Sure. Um, but we do this thing, we attach to things and, and at our best, our whole web of attachments we are able to keep our head about them. Right. Yeah, I think what so. is so scary about this is this is we are watching people hook, line, and sinker just lose their head. Yeah. Who are going, I will promote this way beyond its pay grade. Right, sure. And hope that nothing goes wrong. And <laughs> so the, the frightening thing, uh, really, to me about this is that. It's not going to be able to hold the water you're putting in it, first of all. Right. Um, we are made for relationships with each other. Right. And, you know, we we are Christians. We believe that we ought to glorify God in everything that we do. But the thing that I think a lot of people misunderstand is that, well, his glory is also our good. Mm-hmm. He knows best for us. He wants us to love him first, not just because he's, you know, so... Um, dead set on us not caring about anything else. He wants us to love him first because he's the most beautiful, the most perfect, the most good for us. Yeah. And, and, and the, these relationships will not, not only will they not pay off for this man or anybody who's getting into them. And, and there's some, some stats I want to mention here about how far this is already going. Um, but that it won't pay off for the web of relationships that he has had. Right. He, he probably has children. He surely has friendships and something that poses as this such a, a giving, uh, caring relationship. Well, all relationships are two ways, and it's not fair to have a relationship that is only one way. Mm-hmm. That that I mean, you know, machines. Your blender will blend as much stuff as you tell it to blend. Exactly, and sure. and machines do that. You know, it's it's a uh, it's tools. We can become attached to tools, but they're still just tools right. um, and, and not worthy of these kind of relationships. Uh, so the numbers are, um, there's this, a, one of these services is called Replica, R-E-P-L-I-K-A. Uh, roughly 40% of Replica's 500,000 regular monthly users now see their app as a romantic partner. Oof. Um, so we're talking about so dangerous to do math while while we're live here. It's um, about two hundred and twenty five, thirty thousand, something right. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's just that's enough for me to go whoa right now. To go two hundred and thirty thousand people are already. I don't know, forty percent would be two hundred. Yeah, two hundred thousand people are already seeing this app as a romantic partner. Um, that's. My concern, again, I, you're not trying to rain on somebody's parade. I just don't think it's going to pay off for them. I think it's going to disappoint them. And the scary thing is, if you live with this, even, I mean, I've, I've seen relationships. You know, for instance, you and I work with college students. And one of the things that's tough to watch college students go through is, um, if you say, get a girlfriend, and, and we've known college students who, they get a girlfriend or a boyfriend, and then all of a sudden, they don't talk to anybody else right, sure. for, say, 
three months, six months. Yeah. Well, by three months, all those other friendships have probably moved on to some right. degree. Right. And you can't just walk up and say, hey, I'm sorry I didn't talk to you for three months. Let's just go ahead and be friends just the way we were again. Right. You lose all those. Right. And to rebuild takes time and effort. And often people go, but, I, but what? I just want it to be like it was. It's like, we don't get to go back. Right. And this is uh, very comparable to that situation in that, you know, you, if you're in a relationship like this with an AI for a year and a half, you're going to lose yeah. probably a lot of the relationships in your life. Yeah. Or at least the most, um, the closest ones, especially if you're labeling this thing your romantic partner. I would expect you don't have other romantic partners and that you're right. spending a lot of time. That's right. what a romantic partnership signals. Right. It's rare that you would have this romantic, whatever you want to call this, and then also a actual real formal right. Healthy relationship with the opposite sex, right? And it, it doesn't seem like those things. But it, you, you would seem like because even when it's, it talks about Microsoft here, they're they're kind of I guess China, six hundred and sixty million users, social chat box. There, I have heard in China, especially because of the one child yeah, policy, there's yeah. a lot of men who don't have any women to have relationships with, right? Like yep, romantic yep, relationships yep. just create a lot of crime because you have these young men who have no no um, prospects for relationship in a culture where there's a lot of emphasis on marriage and family and so you create a lot of issues and I could see where especially in Asian cultures right. where you a lot of men would have these romantic relationship partnerships yeah. with social chatbots right and I mean I we've talked before about Japan how Japan oh, has uh, a lot of dating sims yep. is uh, yep. one of the two most popular games in Japan and you know, and so there are uh, there are countries where this may ease. I mean, China is a, an awful situation to think about, literally because of this one child only policy, because of the horrible thing that mm-hmm. many uh, little girls have been aborted. Yeah, ginger uh, side, right? Like, right. Yeah. That, that there are just millions of young Chinese men who have no nothing. I mean, statistically speaking, there's just way too many men, right, uh, compared to women, so they can't find. There, there aren't enough women. Right. Just a simple fact. And, and you know, uh, most people don't have means to just uproot from right. where they live and, and move somewhere, nor the inclination in a lot of situations. And it, it is, we've, you know, we've talked a little, I don't know if we've talked about it, but I've read about, you know, and I know it mentions it in this, this article about the Me Too movement and just the, you know, the, the fear of going to a public yep. place and meeting women. Meeting women. Yep. Um, because of the, especially now, kind of the obnoxious kind of uh, perspective that p- women put on men who go to these places to look for women. Uh, it's, it's you know, we could argue going to a bar is probably the best place to find a relationship, right. okay? Um, but, you know, there are these places in our culture, in our society, that singles are, would go to, right, mm-hmm. to meet people and, and, and maybe potentially meet someone of the yeah. opposite sex and having relationships and stuff. And in a culture and a climate right now where going to places like that are just frowned upon, yep. right? So now you have men that want to be in romantic relationships, see this perspective and issue, and also maybe aren't socially uh, developed in a way where they can go and have these mature yep. uh, conversations and relationships with other women and so now they've created. There's this 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 opening right. to have these 
full-on romantic relationships with chatbots. Yeah. Um, and, and I think here's the problem. In human life, you can't uh, remove the awkwardness. Right. You can't remove that some can be perceived as obnoxious. Um, but that's part of life, right? It's a part of humans interacting, right? When we get in situations where we're interacting with people we don't know, there is a sense where you are putting yourself out there. You are taking a risk. You are um, you're trying to present yourself to people. You're trying to put a, a you're trying to make a good impression, make a good first impression. This is a part of life, and sometimes that doesn't go well, and sometimes it goes well, and maybe. In some situations, the, uh, you went to a restaurant or where you whenever you went to a party or a group, and it didn't go well. Mm-hmm. But then you go to another one, and it goes well, right? So that's just a part of life. And just because there's examples of bad examples of human interaction where men meeting women and women meeting men, doesn't mean we need to then go, okay, we have this platform where you can talk to women that aren't real, but you can have personal relationships. Like, it's not healthy. Right. It's not good. Yeah, yeah, I agree, and, and I mean that's a a great point. I hadn't thought about that. This thing is basically uh, going to ignore all social decorum and yeah. <laughs> uh, rules, and uh, I mean just having manners. It, it, yeah, you can certainly just engage your chatbot, and it, if you said to it some rude thing, it would probably just say, "Oh, it's fine. Let's talk about that." You know, yeah. and, and you don't you you're not simulating how right relationships really work. Yeah. Um, and so I, two things that come to my mind before we uh, start to leave this. One is that um, I know of some good success stories through dating apps mm-hmm. and that given that uh, people have continued to become so much more different, I think it is harder to meet people. I, I have compassion for anybody I know who is single because I think it's harder to meet someone that you would connect with in a really so. meaningful way because yeah. people are so different, taking so many different paths. Right. Um, and so dating apps in a lot of ways solve that. I know I know that you will have failures. You're likely your first, maybe your first, second, and third encounters on a dating app would be would not result in, you know, some successful right. marriage or even long-term relationship, but that you know, stick with it. It, yeah. it is a very reasonable way to approach uh, this right now. But then the other thing I think to say is that our churches uh, ought to integrate singles at everything yeah. in life. Uh, this, yeah. this old thing in Baptist churches often, you know, like, well, we, we try to have a singles group. Well, I don't think singles groups are often the answer. I think just having things that people can be together at right. and then having everybody together, uh, having your small groups where singles mix with families, that uh, this is this is one thing the church has always been designed to do and as far as i know the christian church is one of the few Mm -hmm. uh organizations and groups that say hey singleness is a good thing just as good as being married singleness has its purposes god calls some people to singleness and there's nothing wrong with that and so we ought to mirror that in our churches and uh and so both of those things i think are important to be said um because Again, as a person, we mentioned this when we uh, talked about AI a few uh, weeks back. As a person who enjoys video games, there's a place for stuff like this to have a place in your life that you uh, that you interact with. It's just this is not the right place for it. Right. Yeah, I think so. So uh, there are some who see it the same way. There's a um, 
one AI called Mitsuku, and they have said they don't think it's appropriate for humans to become too close to bots. And so therefore, therefore they have programmed Mitsuku uh, to discourage romantic interactions. And if you were to say something romantic to it, it will say, oh, we're just friends. We're just friends. You get you rejected know? even by chat box. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, which might be the best thing <laughs> after all. So, uh, so you know, this is uh, – I'm sure this won't be the last thing we read about this, uh, but – uh, man, it was further along than I thought it was. Yeah, and I think, you know, I know we we talked a little bit about this and and uh, we talked about virtual reality, but uh, I think and I think this is right. I think this statistics is right. So, but I think more than half of internet searches every moment is pornography. Yeah. And so you think about the internet, right? So many things yeah. you can do with the internet and probably 50 per plus percent of every moment someone gets on the internet, it's mostly to do to watch porn, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, you think about VR, like virtual reality, and you know, you know how what most people are going to use it for. Yeah, sure. You're going to use it for pornography, mm-hmm. like for sexual immor- immorality, right? Mm-hmm. And so that is one of the the issues when we get into technology like this is that the human heart is so broken because of sin, and and so it's not going to be all that surprising that people will use it to satisfy uh, brokenness, to try to satisfy uh, hungers that are not being satisfied by actual human interaction. Mm-hmm. And so people will utilize these things, even though they're artificial, even though they are um, sub what is God has wants for us, yep. that's what people will do. Yep. Uh, it doesn't matter what culture you could be. Uh, from American culture or Asian culture or European culture or African culture, it doesn't really matter where geographically. It's just always an issue for the human. It's something yeah. that all humans share is this brokenness, sexually brokenness yeah. when it comes to relationships and stuff. So this is not not surprising, and but yet it's still sad. and yeah. something that we definitely should encourage people that we know to pursue actual relationships with people. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so from one kind of confusion uh, to another kind of confusion, um, there's an op-ed, uh, Wall Street Journal, The Abolition of Man and Woman by David Crawford and Michael Hanby. Uh, so some may not have heard that last week in a, a ruling the Supreme Court on the case of Bostock versus Clay County, uh, they, they held that sexual orientation and identity are included in the definition of sex under Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Um, so this has rung a lot of bells. One, because the, the one who wrote the majority opinion, Neil Gorsuch, uh, he openly said, look, I don't, I'm not trying to tell you all that in 1964... Uh, People thinking of sex thought of transgender issues. Right. But here, his argument, and this is going to be confusing. I had to read it many times to get what he was even saying, but I'll, I'll say it this way. He argued that basically a man who believes he is a woman and then he is fired for that would not have been fired if he only believed he was a man. So a man who believes he is a woman... And if he is fired for, for that, if you show up to work on a Monday and, and say, I'm a woman now, and they say, well, we, 
we hired you we hired as a man, man yeah. and that seems important yeah. uh, given the way this job works. And if you're fired for that, he said, well, look, if that man had, had said, I'm, I'm a man and I'm still a man, well, he couldn't have been fired for that. So therefore, we'll put it under uh, this, this clause uh, that sex means this now. So that is how he's going to use the principle of no discrimination that is based on sex. And it, I don't know what job might have jumped into anybody's mind when you talk about somebody showing up to work on a Monday. Uh, if, if they're showing up to work at a McDonald's, I, I don't know if that would you know, how that would yeah. be. But if they show up as a teacher to a Catholic school, that's a different question. Sure. Uh, and, and then you, you run this entire yeah. uh, string of uh, different jobs. And that what happened in this ruling is that the Supreme Court has ruled that to discriminate in that way is outside of the bounds right. now. Uh, now, equal with race in, well, that's mostly race, right? 1964 Civil Rights Act. Well, and, and, but sex. I mean, in 1964, you're talking about women. Right. It was the big issue mm -hmm. that uh, women can't be discriminated against. And probably where we will ultimately be going with this is that, in my view, this is, this is ultimately going to overturn the 1964 ruling because this is the worst for women yeah. who say, for instance, if a young boy wants to say now, I want to participate in women's track and field because right. I believe I'm a woman. Right. Uh, you and I both ran track, right. and you we know did. that with greater muscle mass, the male body generally does better, especially uh, uh, – Generally, sprinters are built larger, mm -hmm. and so. Uh, but even I'm, the world record in the mile right. is faster for a man than it is for a woman. Yeah. Yes, yeah, and, and I mean it's just the way the male body is mm -hmm. built, sure. the effects of testosterone yeah. on on a human body, and so this this is a ruling that's that's a big deal. I've heard a lot. Uh, I've heard it talked about it in a lot of different spaces in the last week, and and it is what they call a narrow ruling. They're, they now they're they're saying we're still going to be dealing with issues uh, in relation to uh, to bathrooms and locker rooms and locker rooms and and religious organizations yep. but this is the ground floor this is the mm -hmm. foundation they have poured and so this is why a lot of people that I and most of the time when the Supreme Court makes the decision like this even if you want to call it just the foundation it has a lot of weight right for for future rulings right and so and I remember reading this 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 morning. I think I read it this morning and sent it to you today. And um, there's a lot of things you can we could talk about in regards to this to this issue. We could talk about again, like Supreme Court justices like Neil Gorsuch, who was uh, nominated by President Trump. That these 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 justices do not always rule in the way that you think they will rule. We can talk about that, right? right? As a new, as, a, yeah. as we're in an election year. Yep. Um, but the, the 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 issue here, first off, is that when we think about sex, sex is a scientific term, biological term, and there's a male and female sex, right? I mean, this is scientific, um, but yet sex has now become a an identity politics issue, right? Where you can almost it's about personal identification, um, which typically I had always said, well, sex is a 
scientific, biological, objective conversation. There's a male and female sex, right? X, Y chromosomes, uh, X. And so you like, you know, you know when you have a uh, when you go to the doctor and they say, well, it's going to be a boy. Right. You know why? And you, if with a female as well. So that's kind of a that seems like such an objective discussion. on right. why we even have this discussion. But then gender. That, that is in the kind of like, well, I identify with this gender, I identify with this gender. But this particular ruling kind of even cuts out the biological sex and says, now, and I was saying this to my wife this morning, it says, you're now transgender. Everyone is a transgender, and then you then identify with a particular gender. Mm-hmm. So, um, so right now, we're really transgender, but we identify with male. So when we go, when we fill out a, an employment application, we go in there not with a predetermined sex male gender. We then determine that on the application. Yeah. No one can predispose that sex or gender on you just by observation. You are the one that identifies, but then you can always change it. Right. And so it creates a lot of a lot of issues. Yeah, and I wrote this down. The, probably the punchiest statement they make in here that uh, communicates what you're talking about is that if each of us is defined by a gender identity related only arbitrarily to sex, we are all transgender now. So yeah. that if, mm-hmm. if if gender and sex is a state of mind, then we are all transgender, right. uh, and. Uh, obviously, I don't believe that's true. Um, I love that he said the uh, Cartesian's ghosts and machine. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that was a really good yeah. uh, quotation there. That we really are just ghosts in a body machine, right? right? And that's Rene Descartes, who has yes. done a lot of damage uh, to our world. Uh, he also the, came up with this idea. I think, therefore, I am this yep. uh, separated and. and most people will say father of rationalism basically yeah Yeah. and Mm -hmm. and most people will say that um he is the source of this very foolish notion that a lot of people have today and have had for a a while that well just because i think a certain thing that doesn't mean that determines my actions that my my actions can be totally unrelated to my thoughts when uh the bible presents us as a as kind of an arrow in a certain way that well our hearts have desires and they're driving yeah. our mind and our emotions yeah. towards certain actions. This is all very explicable, right. so that what you believe is easily discernible because you do right. what you believe. Right. Right. You, and, and it man, when this when this finally became clear to me. All of a sudden, it was so helpful in my life because you can just – you can predict outcomes. You can understand people around you and yourself because you can go, yeah, it's a lie. It was a convenient lie to go, well, just because I am rude doesn't mean I'm a rude person. It's like, oh, I mean, if you're rude, then <laughs> there's some bad stuff living yeah, in your heart. There's a fruit that, yes. that, is, that it's coming out of the heart. Yes. Yes. And, and so this is very helpful stuff. Yeah, it is. Um, and, and unfortunately, one that a lot of people are not uh, in a place to even take in because, I mean, it is, it's almost a, uh, a catechism or it's almost a, a, a certain idea that people have picked up that like, well, there's this whole world of your thoughts over here and that doesn't necessarily connect to this whole world of your behavior. And, and the Bible is very clear, yes, it does, but it's, uh, it makes your life a little easier if you were able to say, 
one, you can blow off your thoughts and any evil thoughts you might have. And then two, if you can blow off your behavior and any evil behavior you might have, and then you can live in this dream world and say, well, this is the kind of person that I really am, unrelated to either my thoughts or my behavior, when the Bible is very clear that there's otherwise. Now, you want to talk about uh, anybody who thinks Jesus is kind of a hippie, nice guy, Jesus has a lot to say about yes. how, hey, if you're lusting after a woman, then yeah. you've already committed adultery in your heart. Hey, if you're angry, yeah. uh, you've already committed murder yeah. in your heart. If you think you're such a nice person, yeah. your thoughts betray yes. who you really are. Right. And so you ought to deal with those thoughts, come face to face with who you really are. Um, so what do you think of the implications of all this? I mean, we think about this in real time, you know, like I don't know how much decision making you make on a, uh, when it comes to hiring. I know that in a church setting, it's different the way that we hire. Sure. You know, we have uh, either committees that personnel committee that will hire or, or we have elders or pastors that may hire um, and make decisions that way at, here at Redeemer we're we hired someone uh, to work kind of uh, in a part-time ministry role coming up in the fall. And that was, you know, we, we, we had a resume, they presented a resume. We did, we did uh, several different like interview type things. Um, we had them sit down and we had other people ask them questions about things. And one of the important part of the role was, was it to be a woman? Like it was very important. We, we didn't, um, we didn't, um, this wasn't a general role we were hiring a man or a woman. Mm -hmm. We wanted to hire a woman, right? Mm -hmm. This was for to be a, to be someone who would do ministry and discipleship with women, right? So mm -hmm. the gender of the person was very important in the hiring process. Um, and so, taking this even out of the church role uh, context, there's plenty of other businesses that are trying to hire a man or a woman for a particular reason, right? Mm -hmm. um, either because they want to do a particular task. Um, that is predominantly being done for women or two women or two men or two. So not every hiring decision is a, a hiring decision where you are saying, well, I'm going to hire a man or a woman for this particular role. You're, you're even wanting to hire a particular gender for a particular reason. Um, or you're, you're specialized, you're focusing on certain skill sets or personalities mm -hmm. that maybe some women would have that men wouldn't have, right? Yeah. So those are all variables for different roles and positions yeah. within a company or a nonprofit and stuff. So gender and sex is a very important part of, potentially a part of hiring. Mm -hmm. But then if you're kind of saying, well, sex is undetermined, it's, it, it's, it creates a lot of problems that, um, yeah, what are, almost even more because, like, for example, even with our position that we were hiring, that person could have been – the race was was ridiculous. Who, it didn't matter if they were white or black, right? Mm -hmm. You know, so that wasn't uh, – so when it comes to 1964 and the Title VII um, dealing with, with fairness when it comes to race, that is far appropriate, right? But when it comes to, like, gender and sex here, like, this creates some problems. Yeah, so – you know, I know for, for your situation, you just have a lot of uh, young women in the mm -hmm. college ministry right now, yeah. so that's an important uh, yeah. thing for you. And um, the only uh, hiring my, my involvement is low. Uh, internships are the, <laughs> one of the main things that I kind of handle. Uh, and you typically hire male. We, we do, and yeah. it's not uh, – there are many more men uh, looking to go into ministry. I very much believe that uh, – in, in our tradition, women can be uh, youth ministers, children's ministers, and so we've had one young lady who did a great job. Uh, and it is to our peril to ignore 
the importance of men and women. Mm -hmm. And like so many other issues, we are just going to push the envelope on this and see how it turns out. And the chaos, uh, the chaos is going to be really troublesome. It's going to create all kinds of problems. And uh, we're just walking down this path. But it it is one that uh, a lot of people were surprised by this ruling. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the stranger things and kind of the sadder things is, um, in in addition to Neil Gorsuch going with this rule, they talked about uh, Chief Justice John Roberts, who was appointed by another another conservative president. Um, But that, uh, from what I understand, John Roberts has a sort of um, institutional view of the court that he thinks the court, he's trying to just maintain the respect of the court. And and so, man, I cannot imagine... uh, that a that a judge looking at situations would ask the question, well, in a lot of ways, how can I be on the right side of history, yeah. and how can I maintain the influence of this yeah. court? Yeah, that's just not what we appoint judges right. uh, for, right. uh, especially uh, the highest ones. And so, there are signs that. People are beginning to see this could be a problem. I think we mentioned J.K. Rowling yes. uh, maybe a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, you know, a few months ago, she basically came out and said, look, this looks really bad for women. Yeah. Uh, the, this transgender revolution, it, it does not look good for women to be able to walk in uh, on a Monday and say, I've done nothing other than this declaration. I'm now a woman. Yeah. And then to be able to say, now I understand all the, the struggles of, yeah. of women. And, yeah. Um, and, and, and so I agree, I think she's right. Um, I I am, I am very surprised that she has stayed the course. Uh, she wrote a very long, uh, article on her blog, uh, at her website, uh, basically saying, look, this is why I'm standing on this. Mm -hmm. I don't think this is good for women. I don't think, I I think that uh, she believes that people can, uh, transition in terms of gender. Uh, I don't, but she, uh, she said that now I don't think though that your experience it's the same. is the same. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and so, and here's the thing about this. I, I just anticipate there are going to be more and more people who say, let's be honest about this. This is a different thing. Just because you, as a man today say tomorrow, I'll be a woman doesn't mean You've had the same experience, right. uh, and, and and that's straightforward. I mean, right. there's a lot about this that is straightforward, and so we'll see uh, what comes of that. In and I, you know, I think it'll be probably be appropriate to talk about this at some point in the future. Um, but I think we're we're coming to a point in society where you're seeing the results and the fruits of the postmodern movement yep. when you re- when you start when you basically empty truth completely and make it completely up to people to define truth you're you're going to cre- it's going to carry a lot of conflict yeah. because you can't nowhere not in any part of society can you stand on truth you yeah. can't say well this is this and this is always will be this and it's objective um, it's something we all can hold on to. It's something that's rooted mm-hmm. and so when we have disagreements we can always say well this is what this is what this is true yeah you know we disagree we can we can say this is constant yeah. there's no constants yeah. and so when you talk about race and injustice if you don't have any constants in, in truth how can you even talk about it mm-hmm. how can you make any, even make any sense about it um, when you're talking about if certain statues should stay up or not stay up well if you can't say 
this stuff really happened in the history right. of the past. When you can never have any type of understanding, even if even if what you're saying is right and good, we can never truly talk about it and move forward. Yeah. We talk about this issue with transgenderism and, and sexuality and gender identification. If there's no objective constant, then it's just based off mob rule and who has power. Not, there's really nothing to hold on to. And society cannot operate without any constants. Um, leaders can't lead. Businesses cannot um, make products and sell products. Um, institutions cannot help people and help society it's just contempt it's self it's self-defeating it's self-imploding i guess is the word i'm looking for here and 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 so i think this is a, a topic that we should come back to we've kind of talked about this several years ago about objective truth and 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 uh, um uh, relativism and think i think that conversation needs to come back yeah because we're never going to make any inroads in some of these issues if we can't define what is True and constant and, and objective and things that aren't. Yep. It's just purely opinion or, or simply um, someone else's own uh, you know, personal thoughts, yep. but not actually what is true. Yep. You know? Yep, absolutely. So, so the last uh, article we're talking about today is called The Power of Personal Agency by Ian Rowe. Uh, there was a pledge, a group of people meeting in Bethesda, and their pledge uh, was uh, a group of mostly white folks, uh, I will love my black neighbors the same as my white ones. And that pledge on its face sounds, good. sounds great. Yeah. Um, this author, Ian Rowe, talks about how the narrative that white people hold to power conveys a wrong-headed notion of white superiority and creates an illusion of black dependency on white largesse. And now I have never used the word largesse, so I had to look it up. Uh, sure, thank liberal you for doing giving, that. <laughs> liberal giving is what it means. So that this is the narrative that white people hold the power conveys a wrong-headed notion of white superiority and creates an illusion of black dependency on white giving, that, that, uh, that somehow there's a superiority that, that those who are white have that is the Black folks depend on them and should depend on them for, for giving. He says that's not the way that society should work and that that is a, that is a notion that actually takes power from you Yeah, uh, is, is what he's saying here. And that has always been the argument against like affirmative action, right? Is that it's, uh, it basically says that if you're from a minority group, you're not smart enough to get their own, to get their, you know, the way that everyone else does. And so there, it need, you need, we need to make it easier for you. We want to give you a handicap. Yeah. And that shows a sense of inadequacy. Like you can't do this on your own, so we're going to make it easier. We're going to make it a pass that's shorter or quicker than others. And um, that argument has always been used by by conservatives or more um, on that side of the political side against like affirmative action. Yeah, and, and where I fall on that is, I think you need to look at uh, the opportunities. If there's not a quality of opportunity, I think there ought to be. Sure. Uh, so that, and in some places, I, I do think that that needs to be worked on. And so, in yeah. in those places, affirmative action is one thing to me. Um, and equality of opportunity is the big question. Uh, sure. It becomes very dangerous where you move towards equality of outcomes, and you just say. Look, we're just going to do this, whatever you do. Right. Uh, that's just a dangerous way to deal with um, people. And so um, he says the idea that only whites can undo structural racism sends young blacks a message of powerlessness and that we have to counter 
what Tyrone Howard at UCLA calls the pathological depiction of and belief in the inferiority of black people, culture, and history. Instead, we must identify and speak about black excellence. And now, in the context, there's a lot of things that we've talked about today that would, would show, okay, there's some things that um, are not going well in our culture. But the thing that, that we have, especially given all the tools that we have, all the information that is available to us, Agency is such a big deal because it enables you to go out into your world and to make a difference. Sure. If you are able to go, whatever I have been, and I haven't worked with young people for a long time, I can tell you that I've seen young people who had a lot handed to them or had a lot of opportunities and made little of it. I've seen young people who had a lot of opportunities and made much of it. Mm -hmm. I've seen young people who have had little opportunity and made little of it. And I've, had, I've seen young people who have had little opportunity and yeah. made a lot of it. Sure. And it's, um, it's very unpredictable. Mm -hmm. um, but I can tell you there's an ingredient that is key in it, which is this, agency. Mm -hmm. People have to believe there can be a difference out there. And, and that they can accomplish something different yeah. than maybe their family has or than other people around them have. And, and this is not everything. Just because you believe you can go to Harvard doesn't mean that you can. Right. I, I doubt that there was any course of my life that I could have. Right. And, you know, and that's okay. Um, something about Americanism that I think we've sold wrong is telling uh, young people in particular, but people in general, like, you can accomplish anything you set your mind to. Well, that's not necessary. I couldn't have been an NBA player. Right. I mean, this is not in the cards. Um, and, but you can accomplish what God wants you to. Mm -hmm. And... And a lot, I mean, and you can do a lot in a day. I mean, there, there's a lot that we can do um, because, of, because of all that we have in terms of tools uh, and availability uh, of knowledge. Uh, we live in this knowledge economy now. And, um, probably one of the big challenges that people before us can't imagine is that we, we have so much uh, information that, yeah, information overload is a thing, but... We're just overwhelmed with entertainment, too. Sure. So the easiest thing to do is not do much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, there's, there's better chances to just sit at home and watch Netflix, right? right, and catch up on all these different shows and binge watch all these shows but never actually accomplish anything through your, your agency. And I think that there's, you know, I think there, is, there are levels of discrimination. There's, there's different levels of of inequality, right? Mm -hmm. That are not uh, structurally. Um, they're in. They're in. They're in a sense where some of us have certain skills that others do not, right? Um, and some. And a lot of times, those are based off. Sometimes they're based off your father, your family that you had, and some of the things that you were shown at a young age, right? Um, other things you do with this. I I like this over that, right? Um, some people have giftings. And more giftings in areas than other people sure. do, yep. regardless of skin color, right? Um, that's just true, right? Yep. Um, some people who are involved in the church will be in ministry, will be pastors, and others won't, right? And they're both are Christians. They're both inspired by the Holy Spirit, but yet God gifts some in certain areas, and some are not gifted, right? Some are not good preachers. <laughs> they, right. they, they get in front of a stage of people and they cannot talk, right? Mm -hmm. And others can do quite well. Um, that's just the way things are. Um, but yet using what you have, what God has provided, 
and being content with those things and utilizing those things to um, to accomplish things, to build things, to um, help your, your your fellow man, to help your community, and uh, to take care of yourself, I think is is huge here. Um, and I think there's a, a, a sense where we get so um, jealous or envious of other people's um, what they've been able to accomplish. Uh, I mean, we could sit here, I mean, we're both in ministry, and be so disappointed that we're not Dr. Mueller. Mm-hmm. Why? Because Dr. Mueller is smarter than we are. He's read more than we have. He has the capacity to stay up later than we can. I need eight hours of sleep. Sleep less, yes. Yeah, and, and so there, there's a sense where we can almost be so despaired that we can't accomplish the things that he accomplished. But yet just realize, okay, we have certain skills and agency that we can influence and impact, and we have to be happy and content with that. Mm -hmm. And I think people are just a lot of times aren't happy with what they've been given, and they don't mature what they have. Um, And I think think there's a sense where if, if this group of people would just make it easier for me that I can do the things that I want, not the things that they should do, the things that they want to do, and say that, well, if you would just create all the opportunities and the avenues for me to be able to do this, then I would be able to do bigger and better things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's a sense where we just envy being able to do bigger and better things and yeah. not just being satisfied with what we have, what's been given, and, and doing the best we can yeah. to, the, to the furthest extent of what we can do. In the means of and that's an American thing, I think, that we've all been indoctrinated yeah, into, so. into going, you know, look at the biggest dreams. Yes. Look out there at the highest. Yeah, shoot for stars. Right. And, right. and you know, um, I'm all about uh, meeting your potential, but, you know, um, I, have, I have realized in, in working with young people that your potential, your potential can be just as much a burden sure. uh, and something scary as anything else that you might encounter and that, you know, look, you have to lay your potential before God as well and yes. say, you know, look, I can't, handle this I you know I've seen students crushed under yeah. this weight of hey you got to work harder and harder to get into the bigger and better right because you know your potential yeah. is great and we're hard workers in this family and right. they literally right crack right and your potential is, is also a thing that you can't just be trusted to go well I'll you know I'll, I'll meet it I'll, I'll, I'll make it and I will uh, reach out and accomplish all these huge goals you know look uh, you need to be godly. You need to accomplish what yeah. God has for you. And, and yeah, do your best. But you are your best when you belong to him, yeah. not when yeah. you, you know, wear yourself out. We've, we've known a part of uh, the stories we've all seen in the last uh, few years are people who push themselves so much that they become very angry or... Yeah. If, caught in a moment of weakness and do something wrong and stupid and look your psychological health your emotional health is very important too yeah and uh so be who god wants you to be and let it let it be there let it leave it alone because most of the time we talk about potential potential is such a thing it's subjective like people can say well you have this potential right but it's like they then think you have this potential that they don't even know if that's actually what God right. has. Only God right. knows that's your right. potential, that's right? right. Uh, and that's such a construct of, you know, potential could be related to how much materialism you were able to accomplish or all the different trophies you are able to accomplish. Mm-hmm. The, therefore, your, the results of your potential is for your own glory or the glory of the people around you and not actually about God. Yeah. 
Um, and I think that's that, that's a troubling thing. Um, and I think r- recognizing that you know whatever opportunities come your way, either they be about going to a particular college, uh, a particular major, or a particular job, these are all opportunities to glorify God, yeah. right? And it's not about glorifying yourself, and it's actually not about accomplishing something in particular. It's just about glorifying God. So it's your character in the midst of that that context. It's working hard, not for the sake because everyone will see you working hard, but you work hard even if people don't see you, right? right. Because God sees you, right? right? So even working hard, as we say that a lot as Americans, work hard. Sometimes we say that and it's about appeasing or men or people. And it's not about actually doing it because God's watching. Right. And so we should work hard and do our best because... We, that glorifies God, yeah. um, and um, and so I think that you know, in the midst of this power, personal agency, and I know some of the statistics that are on here, but I, I did think it's interesting. You know, three things that black men who have succeeded have done: these three things: graduated college, or gone to military, found full time work, and got married. Right. Um, and I think that while we can talk about these different things and and, and talk about the importance of marriage and singleness, but I think the the importance of commitment, um, contentment, um, and recognizing being grounded and and doing something for the sake of other people, I think is so important mm-hmm. in this argument of of being successful, right, and and not trying to fulfill some like. I don't know, personal dream or whatever it is. You know, these just three simple things right. here. Um, even if that full-time job is you're working at, as a part-time chef, you're working as a full-time shift manager at McDonald's. Yeah. Like, that's still like, we think like, oh, who would want to do that? But that's like a good job that you're doing, that you are going into work and you are doing something with your hand and you're using your mind uh, and people are coming and buying food, right, uh, either for themselves or for their family. It's an important job. It's important right. work. Right. I mean, we this town is an industrial town. It has been for a long time. And, yeah. and there are plenty of jobs here that are not going to be the job you want to have forever. Sure. But you can hold these jobs for a year and get somewhere and yeah. get some more financial stability and right. then hopefully move on to a better full-time right. job. Uh, we certainly don't, as Americans, communicate very often that, you're going to have to kind of live in stages, right. which is generally what we all have to do right. in order to get where we want. We have to have some parts that we don't want in between. Um, before we move toward the end here, I, I thought this was, you mentioned uh, we should identify and speak about it, black excellence. And, and this is, I, yeah, this is a great statistic I hadn't heard. Three million black students were enrolled in college or graduate school in 2018. Uh, 57% of black men have made it into middle class or higher as adults today, up from 38% in 1960. That's an American Enterprise Institute 2018 report. Um, and that, not that college is the end-all, be-all, uh, like you mentioned, but that that's important. It's something that that has been worked on, that people have been working on for a while, that there is progress that is being made, and that what you mentioned is, is important that um, one of the keys, uh, there are actually the three keys that you mentioned, there, there's some ways to know, here's some milestones yeah. that help you to get there. And that's yeah. uh, graduating college, gone in military, one, 
full-time work of some kind too, and and got married. This is um, it's it's just it's people who have kids. Kids cost money. Yeah. You care. You love your kids, and you want them to have all kinds of things, and you want them to have opportunities, and, and those opportunities all cost money. But unfortunately, as I have seen, and I'm sure you have seen, what is behind that one is that it's taxing to have a relationship or have a child with someone and then not have a good relationship with them right. because then it's very difficult to maintain your job. Right. Uh, yeah. You're having to divide your life. You have constant strife with someone generally. Uh, and, and, you know, so, so these are just building blocks and, and they are things that he mentions in there. Um, but I, th- I think that's a positive place for us to get to, just right. to talk about agency given all the things we've done. And about. I think, the, the, you know, there's so much to, like, accomplishing something, right, when – you know, we talk, even when we talk about graduating from college, or even going to the military, right? You, that's an accomplishment. Mm-hmm. You going through boot camp, serving out your years, getting your GI Bill most likely, and going off to college right. that's paid for. Like you're accomplishing something. You set out to yep. do something. You did it, right? You you spent those years in the military. You finished that degree. Even if you had to take a few classes in high school or whatever, you accomplished it. You graduated. Yep. There's something about in the human human heart and, and mind is so motivating when you've accomplished something and so when you're going through struggles even when you're a full-time job you can go back to that experience of struggling and persevering and I think if you've never gone through that as a person where you had to work hard mm-hmm. persevered and accomplish something I think it affects you in this idea of personal agency right because if you think like well, I'll never, I'm never, I'm never going to accomplish anything. I'm never going to get out of this situation. I'm never going to do. You have nothing prior experience or other models to go off of, and I think that does affect you. Do you think it's oh, if this other group of people would just do this, it would be easier for me? Right. You tend not to see like, oh, well, it's it's not about it's an ability issue. I just don't have the ability, so therefore, someone needs to make it easier for me. But if you're able to say, well, I accomplished that in the past, or I accomplished that in the present, you can go. I can push myself through this. Mm. You know, I, I know I can work my way. I can persevere in different ways. I can motivate myself. I can get off the mat when I'm down, and I can move forward if you have prior experience of accomplishing that. Mm. It goes a, a long way. And those you know, talking about getting married and having other people, having a partner who's encouraging you through something, is so important and so key. And I think a lot of people don't have that, and I think that is a, a good milestone, yep. I think, to help going forward so yeah. yeah we've covered a lot of bases today yeah there's so many things on this piece of paper that we didn't talk about <laughs> <laughs> okay. so alright this is Empire of the Future yeah see you all in the future there you go we're looking for the tagline that's right <laughs> see you later